In a disastrous year, Facebook had it tougher than many. They had to deal with a tsunami of lies and misinformation that flooded into its social network. So how did it do? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me, social media expert Queenie Wong. You took a look at Facebook in 2020 and the many controversies it had to deal with, a lot of which weren't because of Facebook, but they still had to deal with it. Overall, how would you rate how Facebook handled things this year? So I've always seen social media as a mirror to the real world and human behavior. So it's not surprising that Facebook had a challenging year because 2020 was a very unprecedented year with the election, um, racial injustice protests, the coronavirus pandemic. And at this moment, it's kind of difficult to give Facebook a specific rating because um, even though the company gets points for doing new things like labeling and launching these online hubs with authoritative information, there's still a lot of questions about how effective um, these efforts were. There was obviously a lot of misinformation that slipped through the cracks. So I wouldn't give them like an A plus for sure, or maybe even a B or a C, but um, they did get a better grade than 2016. So if you're not giving them an A, B, or C, does that mean they're they're right around the D level? Like maybe a C minus, I mean, or D. It's, it's just hard, you know, because there's a lot of information we don't know. And it might up their grade if we didn't know more about how effective these measures were. Right. And it's all relative. If, if we're using the same grading scale, I mean, how would you grade them back in 2016? Um... <sighs> It would be really low just because of the fact that they weren't even keeping an eye on these things. And Mark Zuckerberg had said, you know, I think it's a crazy year, a crazy thing that um, Facebook uh, could have swung the election. So they weren't really taking much responsibility for these problems. So like it would be like a D or <laughs> an F. And for- I mean, it's OK to say that they failed. It's, yeah. I think it's all right. Yeah, to, it's, I think it's, it's all right you know, to go with that. It's all relative, you know, like some people think anything below an A is is failing. <laughs> well, when it comes to the impact on, you know, our elections, yeah, I, I would say considering that they didn't even acknowledge it was a problem, F is a pretty adequate score for 2016. To give them credit, they did do a lot of things differently. Things are a little bit better. Uh, but let's take some of these big issues one at a time. Uh, obviously, the, the biggest story of the year is the coronavirus uh, that hit us hard early in March, and there was a lot of misinformation. How did Facebook handle the the misinformation that came out as a result of coronavirus? Everything from homemade cures to the do's and don'ts to the origin of the coronavirus. There was a lot of misinformation out there. What was what did it look like on Facebook? There was also a lot of conspiracy theories. I mean. Um... I saw one conspiracy theory on Facebook that said the coronavirus pandemic was a hoax and it was all organized by the government. Um, so the way that Facebook handled it was they partner with these third party um, fact checkers that will fact check, you know, these false claims, including about the coronavirus and They'll put a sort of warning label over certain posts that say they contain false information and it's been uh, fact-checked by its independent third-party fact-checkers. Um, but if they, if the information could cause physical harm, such as somebody saying you should drink 
bleach, you know, that's something that could lead to somebody having a harm, like some physical harm and going to the hospital because you definitely shouldn't be drinking bleach. Um, that would get pulled down by Facebook. So they drew the line when it came to how harmful the, the misinformation is. Got it. And that, that, uh, that element of like imminent danger or posing a health risk, they, they, they kind of started to draw a line. You know, the, the killing of George Floyd obviously set off a national discussion about racial equality. How did that play out on Facebook? There was also a lot of misinformation and conspiracy theories about George Floyd including that the whole George Floyd, you know, the whole death was a hoax and that George Soros, the Hungarian billionaire, was behind these racial injustice protests. Um, so you definitely saw Facebook struggle with this and um, it sort of fanned a lot of criticism from civil rights activists who said, you know, once again, this is another example of Facebook not doing enough to combat hate speech. And, you know, they even launched a campaign calling for advertisers to boycott ads on the social network in the month of July. Right. And, and uh, in, in terms of that, that misinformation the, and, and the criticism that it took, uh, how did Facebook respond? Like, did, did the process for how Facebook vetted this information or presented this information change over the course of the year to kind of adjust for all that criticism? I think you saw them take stronger action against certain conspiracy theories like QAnon, for example, that was um, banned from Facebook. Um, they still tried to draw the line early on um, about content that incited violence. And, you know, a conspiracy theory in and of itself might not be enough for Facebook to take it down, depending on what is being said in the post. Um, so there was some stronger action depending on what type of conspiracy theory um, was being spread. Um, QAnon is one example. Right. QAnon was one where it got so bad to the point where it, they just started clamping down on QAnon content, regardless of whether or not it incited violence, right? It just sort of became, okay, this is dangerous and we just need to stamp it out. Right. Early on, they you know made that distinction like post that incited violence and then they kind of um, circle back later and said we're, you know, batting this content from the platform. And one of the other things, it wasn't all negative for Facebook. It wasn't all about misinformation, it, it, especially during the early days of the lockdown when we were stuck at home. Uh, people actually people use actually Facebook more often, right? It actually got a bit of an uptick. And some of its products actually did relatively well, relatively well uh, especially well, earlier in the lockdown, correct? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Facebook users, some who said, like, I'm just not a fan of Facebook. But, you know, during the coronavirus pandemic, this is this was the only way for me to keep in touch with family and friends. So I had no choice but to go back on to Facebook. So there were some, I guess I call them like boomerang users, they were not active before and they sort of came back. Um, there were people who turned to Facebook portal, which is their video chat device, because video chatting was really hot. Um, you saw Facebook up their efforts with, um, you know, their competition with Zoom by launching messenger rooms. People were using, you know, VR during their free time as well. So it all really benefited Facebook just because this is, was one of the very few ways people could communicate. And so, um, Facebook themselves have said like this 
uptick in usage, like don't sort of expect it to, to see it continue forever. But um, yeah, think about your own behavior. I've gone to so many, been on so many Zoom calls, been on social media all the time. <laughs> like you just, you just can't get away because this is the only way we can communicate. Totally. And, and that said, the, I mean, the I felt like the grace period for Facebook didn't last that long because as we got into summer, I felt like the, the rhetoric against this company and social media in general started to turn negative again, particularly as you saw you know, Zuckerberg appear before Congress a number of times. Uh, talk a little bit about sort of the, the potential regulations that are coming down the line and the fact that they had to deal with a lot of scrutiny from Congress. And, and the scrutiny was different depending on which political leaning you had, right? Right. So Democrats have often criticized Facebook for not doing enough to pull down, you know, misinformation and disinformation. And Republicans say that um, their content is being intentionally censored, which is an allegation uh, Facebook has repeatedly denied. Um, so some of these congressional testimonies centered around this federal law called Section 230, which gives them a legal shield from, you know, content posted by users. And both Zuckerberg and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey have said they're open to changes to this law. Um, I guess we'll see in the next year what exactly these changes will be. Definitely. And then I guess lastly, coming up to the election, uh, this is the big test. This was the big test for Facebook, for social media. They clearly dropped the ball in 2016. They weren't looking for a repeat in 2020. How would you say they fared uh, both you know, leading up to the election and even the aftermath uh, with, with President Trump still disputing the results of the elections and, and a lot of misinformation still getting out there? So one of the most, um, I guess, controversial policy stance Facebook has taken is that they don't fact check posts from politicians because they feel like the public should have a right to know what politicians are saying um, and that political speech is already heavily uh, scrutinized. So they didn't change that policy, but they started putting these labels underneath um, posts from politicians saying like, this is, um, this is a link to our voting information center, or that results, um, may not have been called already, or that, you know, Trump is not the, you know, Joe Biden is the protect projected winner. So you saw them take, um, they did more labeling than they have been before, but did it really, curb the spread of misinformation, even, you know, researchers who are studying this say they're having a difficult time figuring that out. Yeah, that, that would be my follow-up question too, is that these labels that, you know, say, well, the, here are the actual facts or whatever, like, I don't know how effective those are, uh, as opposed to just pulling down some of these posts. Uh, I mean, from the conversations you've had, the folks you talked to about this, like, do folks generally think Facebook did enough or didn't do enough when it came to how it handled some of this, uh, some of the misinformation that came out from the elections. So if you talk to civil rights groups, they will say that Facebook definitely did not do enough. Um, there's been some research published by Avaz, for, for example, that shows there was inconsistent labeling um, in the lead up to the Georgia Senate runoffs. Like you would have one post that was labeled 
um, that said, you know, this has been fact checked and this is false information. And it's this gray overlay be above, uh, over the post. And then the same post would also get this label underneath the post that said, here's more information about voting, or it wouldn't be labeled at all. So there's been some inconsistencies um, pointed out. And I think even Facebook has acknowledged that there is still more work to do in this space. And the tricky thing is like, even if you remove a video or an offensive post, sometimes that could also feel the spread of misinformation in the sense that everyone is like, oh, what is this thing that Facebook is pulling down that they don't want us to see, you know? So it puts them in sort of a tricky spot. Sometimes it's more effective to just, you know, label something than it is to pull it down, which is what we saw with, um, we saw that struggle with the pandemic video early on as they were trying to pull all these videos down, it still was spreading. No, definitely. I don't think this is a problem that's going away anytime soon. Queenie, thank you for your time. You can check out her story on Facebook on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.